Have you ever wondered what it's like to kill a man? Good evening, Crypt Keepers, and welcome. Welcome to Sinister Souls Episode 3, The Atlas Vampire. Like, subscribe, follow, and if you like the show, write us a positive. You know what? Just subscribe. Please subscribe. We need more subscribers. That's what we want. Please do that for us. It will only take you a second. It'll just be a minor inconvenience. You can find us on TikTok at cryptique underscore podcast, on YouTube at cryptique podcast, and you can find cryptique merchandise at crypticpodcaststore.com. So this one gets pretty dark. There are descriptions of murder and descriptions of alternative sexual lifestyles. Tonight, we're talking about Sweden's Atlas Vampire Murder. Scarce information prevails regarding the enigmatic occurrence referred to as the Atlas Vampire Murder, a title bestowed upon it due to its origin within the confines of Stockholm's Atlas neighborhood back in 1932. Now they call it the Vampire because of the ghastly and macabre particulars that the unknown perpetrator left in their wake. Evidently, it is this very aspect that continues to imbue the long dormant case with an air of intrigue. The unfortunate victim in this grim saga was none other than Lily Lindstrom, a 32-year-old lady of the night who catered to her clients within the confines of her modest, dimly lit abode. If her accommodations were representative of the typical dwellings in the Atlas locality, then they must have been of a cramped and shadowy nature. Dwelling directly below Lily's quarters was Minnie Jansen, a fellow practitioner of the oldest profession, and she held the distinction of being the last individual to have laid eyes upon Lily while she still drew breath. In the days preceding the grim discovery, Lily had visited Minnie's quarters, seeking a supply of condoms. It was in the aftermath of this interaction that concern began to gnaw at Minnie's consciousness as the sun rose on a day tainted by Lily's conspicuous absence. Summoned by the anxious apprehensions of Minnie, the Stockholm law enforcement embarked on an unsettling expedition into Lily's apartment. The scene they encountered was one that seared itself into their collective memory. Lily's lifeless form lay sprawled face down upon her bed, an embodiment of vulnerability. Her nudity contrasted starkly with her neatly folded garments, which lay atop a chair stationed adjacent to her tragic remains. The passage of time whispered that Lily had departed this world two or three days prior, and disconcertingly it became evident that the moments leading to her demise were marked by an intimate encounter. The telltale presence of a used condom within Lily's anal cavity bore testimony to this chilling revelation. Death's relentless hand had been delivered by way of multiple brutal strikes to Lily's cranium, 
an act both savage and cruel in its execution. As if plucked from the pages of a macabre tale, subsequent inquiries unearth an even more unsettling detail. The majority, if not all, of Lily's life essence had been systematically drained from her. Further exacerbating the horror was the discovery of saliva traces on Lily's flesh, prompting a haunting suspicion that the blood-stained gravy ladle discovered within the confines of the room had been wielded as a vessel for imbibing blood. In an era preceding the advent of DNA analysis, the meticulous gathering of bodily fluids left at the scene could only yield so much. Although it seemed probable that Lily's final client had orchestrated this grisly tableau, the diligent interrogations of her regular patrons yielded no culprits to bear the weight of justice. Lingering like an unanswered specter, the haunting question of the fate of Lily's lifeblood endures as a haunting testament to the unresolved enigma that is the Atlas Vampire Murder. And there's just not a lot out there, but we do have bizarre Atlas Vampire facts after a quick break. Welcome back, Crypt Keepers. While most believe the realm of vampires exists solely within the domain of folklore and fiction, the concept of individuals exhibiting vampiric traits can cast a chilling shadow over reality. The idea that the deceased can be reanimated to subsist on blood stands firmly at odds with scientific understanding, yet shades of vampiric attributes can manifest in various forms within the realm of human experience. Whether it's the emotional drain of certain personalities or a preference for the cover of night, these traits evoke a sense of eerie familiarity with the legendary creatures of darkness. However, the tale of the Atlas Vampire paints a more sinister picture, one that transcends the realm of mere personality quirks. In the spring of 1932, Sweden became the stage for a blood drinker of a different kind, an enigmatic figure who has remained shrouded in anonymity to this day. This macabre entity, bearing the moniker of the Atlas Vampire, escaped the clutches of justice, etching its legacy within the annals of Northern Europe's history. The details of this case, a disconcerting dance between fact and mystery, have woven themselves into a tapestry of the uncanny, challenging the boundaries of understanding. As the narrative unfolds, chilling facts emerged, each serving as a breadcrumb along the trail of darkness that beckons you to explore its depths. The aura of the unknown, the persistence of unanswered questions, and the resonance of a tale that straddles the line between reality and the macabre all converge to evoke a sense of unease. 
First up, the crime scene. The tale of the Atlas Vampire seized the collective imagination of an entire nation on the fateful day of May 4th, 1932. The meticulous sleuths of the Stockholm police force were confronted with a chilling scene, the lifeless form of a 32-year-old courtesan named Lily Lindstrom. In a city pulsating with life and intrigue, Lily stood as a unique figure, a departure from the conventional norm of her era. Rather than traversing the nocturnal streets in pursuit of potential patrons, she had embraced the moniker of a call girl. Her liaisons arranged through premeditated rendezvous within the confines of her own apartment. This intimate arrangement was further facilitated by her residence within the Atlas neighborhood. As the determined detectives crossed the threshold of Lily's abode, a scene of somber dread unfolded before their eyes, a grim testament to a life extinguished by the blunt force impact on her cranium. Yet the horrors did not cease at this tragic violence. A more disconcerting aspect awaited their gaze. As the meticulous scouring of the scene revealed telltale traces of saliva adorning Lily's delicate neck and form. However, it was the presence of a blood-stained gravy ladle that cast an even darker cloud over the already ghoulish setting. In an instant, the case of the Atlas Vampire was etched into the annals of national consciousness, a sinister enigma that would linger in the hearts and minds of a populace grappling with the profound mystery of Lily Lindstrom's demise. Where'd the nickname come from? The nickname or label Atlas Vampire was inexorably affixed to the malevolent presence responsible for this heinous act, driven by a singular, chilling suspicion that germinated within the minds of the initial detectives summoned to the grim scene. The specter of a bloodthirsty predator, an embodiment of humanity's most primal fears, began to take shape as the investigation unfolded. Their unsettling conjecture centered upon a most unnerving hypothesis that the perpetrator, following the cessation of Lily's life, had engaged in a dark and unholy communion, quenching a sinister thirst by imbibing her very life essence. This haunting notion found further resonance in the puzzling scarcity of blood evidence at the crime scene, a scarcity that left many pondering whether the criminal had voraciously consumed every drop or devised a method to meticulously hoard it within some concealed vessel. As the investigation delved into the cryptic confines of the evidence, a singular artifact emerged, casting an even more ominous cloud over the ghastly scene. The blood-stained gravy ladle, an innocuous implement imbued with a sinister connotation, was poised to be an instrument of dread, potentially employed in the ghoulish act of siphoning Lily's lifeblood. This dark revelation, like an inkblot spreading through the collective consciousness, sparked a frenzied response from the Swedish press in Stockholm. Embracing the vampiric motif that was all but woven into the very fabric of the unfolding tragedy, the press propagated the notion 
with unwavering zeal. The once obscure Atlas Vampire was catapulted into infamy, a monstrous archetype forged from a disturbing interplay of evidence, imagination, and collective dread. Thus, the legacy of the Atlas Vampire was irrevocably etched into the tapestry of Stockholm's psyche, forever interweaving the sinister and supernatural within the annals of this unsolved enigma. Let's talk a little bit about some of the facts of the case. So the final witness to glimpse the living presence of Lily Lindstrom was none other than her downstairs neighbor, a woman of the same trade. A sequence of poignant events had transpired in the days leading up to Lily's tragic demise. Interactions that would forever linger in the retelling. As recounted to the vigilant custodians of law and order, Lily had graced Minnie's threshold on a preceding day, her purpose to acquire a cache of condoms, a gesture indicative of her pragmatic approach to her chosen vocation. Minnie's recollections painted a vivid tableau of a casual camaraderie, a familiarity that was heightened by the sight of a disrobed Lily seeking her provisions with an air of nonchalance. In the wake of that seemingly routine encounter, a cloak of unease draped itself over Minnie's conscience as the sun's ascent on the following morning failed to reveal the customary presence of her neighbor and friend. An inescapable anxiety gnawed at Minnie's heartstrings, ultimately compelling her to summon the guardians of Stockholm's safety. Amidst the somber tapestry of the crime scene, the visage of Lily's lifeless form lay ensconced in an unsettling repose, a morbid portrait of vulnerability etched onto her features. The stark contrast between her nude body and the meticulously folded remnants of her attire, enshrined upon a nearby chair, bore testament to the cruel indignity visited upon her. Time's inexorable march whispered to the astute detectives that Lily's mortal coil had succumbed to death's embrace several days prior, her features bearing the imprints of decomposition's relentless approach. A more sinister theory hovered on the fringes of speculation, the unsettling notion that Lily's killer had embraced her in an intimate grip, a macabre precursor to the malevolent act that would shatter her existence. The chronicle of Lily Lindstrom's final days reverberated with a poignant eloquence, encapsulating the fragility of life and the darkness that can lurk in the shadows of human interaction. Minnie Jansen stood as both witness and harbinger of Lily's destiny, a testament to the bonds of camaraderie and the inexorable march of fate. All right, let's talk about interrogating suspects. Throughout history, individuals engaged in the profession of prostitution have often found themselves vulnerable to the sinister designs of sexual predators and the malevolent machinations of serial killers. An infamous figure, shrouded in myth and terror, London's enigmatic Jack the Ripper, stands as a stark testament to this chilling reality. His gruesome acts forever intertwined with the lives of Whitechapel streetwalkers. 
In light of this somber backdrop, the law enforcement authorities of Stockholm were acutely attuned to the perilous existence faced by those who walked a similar path. A path that propelled their immediate focus onto the men who had traversed the threshold of Lily Lindstrom's Atlas abode. A web of intrigue began to unfold as the inquisitive minds of Stockholm's finest delved into the shadows, seeking answers amidst the veil of uncertainty. A roster of nine men, their identities shrouded in secrecy, became subjects of intense scrutiny. Interrogations ensued, meticulously unraveling the threads of connection that had woven them into Lily's life. Despite the intensity of these inquiries, the elusive truth continued to elude the grasp of justice. The names of these men, etched upon the annals of the investigation, remained withheld from the public gaze, a protective measure in the quest for resolution. Eventually, the net tightened and the spotlight of suspicion waned, ultimately releasing these figures back into the obscurity from which they had momentarily emerged. None among them proved to possess the telltale mark of a viable suspect, and thus the investigation reached a disheartening impasse. The Chronicle of the Atlas Vampire, a chilling symphony of macabre details and unanswered questions, found itself cast in the shadow of uncertainty, its final chords echoing in an eerie silence. The trail of investigation, once ablaze with promise, now dwindled to a flicker, its flame consumed by the vast expanse of the unknown. The legacy of this perplexing case found its resting place within the halls of the Swedish Police Museum, a repository for the fragments of a puzzle that had defied solution. Among the relics enshrined within these hollowed halls, one finds a poignant collection. A strand of hair, bearing silent witness to a life extinguished, samples of saliva, a haunting echo of a moment's contact, and the discarded remnants of used condoms, their significance etched with the weight of an unsolved mystery. In this repository of fragments, the tale of the Atlas Vampire remains suspended, a chilling testament to the impenetrable depths of human darkness. But sometimes, there can be too many suspects. The landscape of 1932 Stockholm presented its diligent detectives with a challenge steeped in ambiguity, a plethora of individuals who bore the name Lily, a designation that was as commonplace as the air they breathed, particularly within the confines of the Atlas neighborhood. Adjacent to this domain, a realm ironically named Sankt Eriksplin, a reference to the devout King Eric IX, unfolded as a breeding ground for a different kind of notoriety, one characterized by a profusion of prostitutes who roamed its streets. The echoes of past tragedies lingered within this enclave, as assaults and homicides were an all-too-frequent occurrence, casting a shadow over the year 1932. In the midst of a continent grappling with the turmoil of global conflict and economic collapse, Sweden's own narrative was shaped by the profound currents of the era. Despite its detachment from the battlefields of World War I and a seemingly peripheral role in post-war diplomacy, Sweden was not impervious to the unforgiving grip of the Great Depression. The winds of economic distress swept through the nation, eroding the foundations of stability that had once seemed unassailable. 
the once robust pulse of Swedish industry faltered, bearing witness to a staggering 10% reduction in production following the tumultuous year of 1929. In tandem, unemployment burgeoned, casting its long shadow across the populace, with figures exceeding a disheartening 12%. The reverberations of this economic upheaval were acutely felt beyond the metropolises of Stockholm and Gothenburg, resonating within the heart of a predominantly agrarian society. The city, a haven for the dispossessed and transient, became a destination of refuge for many who sought solace amidst the tempestuous currents of change. The influx of rural migrants, drawn by the flickering promise of opportunity, introduced a dynamic subpopulation to the urban scene. Among these drifters and newcomers, the shadowy figure responsible for Lily's demise may have concealed himself amidst the throngs of struggling souls. The city's grim underbelly, a manifestation of economic strife and human struggle, bore witness to a crime that transcended the boundaries of a single life, becoming a microcosm of a society grappling with the confluence of darkness and desolation. In the symphony of Lily Lindstrom's tragic narrative, the backdrop of economic hardship and societal upheaval became an unassuming yet profound participant shaping the fates of both victim and perpetrator within the intricate tapestry of a city teetering on the precipice of uncertainty. We'll paint a portrait of the killer after a quick break. Welcome back, Grip Keepers. And this is going to get dark, just so you know. One item that received a great deal of attention from the Stockholm police was the condom found in Lily's anus. Because of its positioning, detectives believed that the killer and Lily were engaged in anal sex when the killer used some unknown object to strike the back of Lily's head. The genesis of the Atlas Vampire's heinous act is shrouded in a complex interplay of motivations, a dark scene woven from the threads of lust and the chilling tendrils of sexual perversion. Within the recesses of the killer's psyche, a sinister impulse emerged, driven by desires that strayed far from the bounds of societal norms. The very act of extinguishing Lily Lindstrom's life can be seen as an embodiment of these twisted urges, a tragic convergence of primal instincts and deviant inclinations. A glimpse into the killer's psyche becomes further illuminated by the eerie aftermath that unfolded within the confines of Lily's apartment. Amidst the violent uproar that had erupted in the form of brutal head blows, a paradoxical scene emerged, one of eerie tidiness. Despite the savagery that had unfolded, the surroundings bore the mark of an unsettling meticulousness. The scarcity of substantial blood evidence seemed incongruous with the ferocity of the attack, hinting at the meticulousness that extended beyond the confines of the act itself. Could the Atlas Vampire have harbored a predilection for order and cleanliness, a facet of personality that juxtaposed the chaos of his actions? 
The notion of a neat freak perpetrator emerges as a speculative but plausible avenue of inquiry, hinting at a potential insight into the psychological profile that drove the events to their grim conclusion. In the annals of criminal psychology, such seemingly inconsistent behavior can often be attributed to a desire for control, a need to impose a veneer of order upon a world tainted by darkness. The aspect of the killer's personality, one that manifested in the calculated aftermath of violence, serves as a chilling reminder that the motives and intricacies behind such acts often defy simple categorization. The mystery of the Atlas Vampire persists, a labyrinthine puzzle where the interplay of lust, perversion, and a disturbing fastidiousness converge to create a narrative both grotesque and fascinating. Within these layers of darkness, the tantalizing question of the killer's psyche lingers, an elusive specter that continues to provoke speculation and contemplation echoing through the corridors of time. Was it a killer cop? Among myriad conjectures that swirl around the Atlas Vampire case, one theory casts a chilling shadow upon the very guardians of law and order themselves. The notion that the perpetrator might have been a police officer. This tantalizing hypothesis draws its roots from the calculated precision with which the killer executed his gruesome act, leaving behind a hauntingly sparse trail of clues. Anogalous to the conspicuous silence of the dog in Sherlock Holmes' celebrated narrative, The Adventure of Silver Blaze, the absence of evidence became a disquieting presence, a cryptic message inscribed in the very fabric of the crime scene. Intriguingly, an alternate facet of this theory unveils the unsettling prospect that the killer, cloaked in the trappings of authority, sought to orchestrate a fiendish game of misdirection. The bizarre tapestry he unfurled before the eyes of investigators may well have been a calculated ruse, an attempt to lead his peers astray upon a wild and perplexing chase, the contours of which were shaped by a malevolent intellect. Yet, viewed through the lens of modern investigative techniques, the room where Lily Lindstrom met her tragic end emerges as an unwitting repository of evidence, a treasure trove of clues that might have borne the imprint of the attacker's identity. The fingerprints left upon the soup ladle, the ominous traces of saliva adorning Lily's form, and the intimate residue of the killer's semen found within the condom all serve as silent testimonies to a harrowing encounter. However, the advent of DNA testing, a modern marvel of forensic science, lay beyond the temporal confines of 1932 Stockholm, shrouding these poignant indicators in a veil of unknowing. An era where the very concept of DNA remained elusive, Stockholm's detectives navigated the corridors of criminal investigation, armed with a different arsenal, one that relied heavily upon the art of confession. As interrogations unfolded, confessions often held the key to unraveling the mysteries that veiled the perpetrators of heinous acts. Against this backdrop of both advancement and limitation, the case of the Atlas Vampire finds itself suspended. A testament to the relentless pursuit of justice, marked by the distinct contrasts between past and present, knowledge and speculation, and the tangible and elusive. 
Was the attacker an actual vampire? The most extreme answer to the riddle of the Atlas Vampire case is the idea that Lily's killer was a real-life vampire. This would mean that the case of the Atlas Vampire was the historically accurate version of the 1972 television movie, The Night Stalker. The real vampire angle comes from two aspects of the case. One, the killer's seemingly supernatural ability to avoid police custody, and two, the evidence showing that Lily's killer drank her blood. The latter notion was called into question by the Swedish police themselves. Some officers claimed that the soup ladle contained Lily's blood, but said that there was no conclusive proof that the killer had sipped from the ladle. Still, the fact that the crime was so devoid of blood was strange. Could it be possible that Lily's killer arrived at her apartment armed with a syringe and some kind of suction device? Anything's possible. Further revelations cast a sinister light upon the very architecture that bore witness to Lily's tragic end. An intricate corridor, a hidden artery linking both sides of the building through a shared laundry room, emerged as a potential conduit for the killer's ingress and egress. This concealed passage, a portal, hinted at the possibility that the murderer had navigated this route, evading the gaze of Minnie Jansen and weaving a tale of calculated malevolence. In a realm where the past and present intersect, the enigma of the Atlas Vampire endures. Its narrative, an eternal testament to the capricious dance of fate, human nature, and the enduring allure of unresolved mysteries. That's all we've got for you tonight on Sinister Souls. We hope you enjoyed the show, Crypt Keepers. Don't forget to like, subscribe, follow, and if you like the show, leave a positive review. You can find us on TikTok at Cryptique underscore podcast, on YouTube at Cryptique Podcast, on X at Podcast Evil, and you can find Cryptique merch at Cryptique Podcast Store. We'll be back with another heavy hitter soon. Good evening, Crypt Keepers.